the Free Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jared Mintz and Joseph Nardone. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Nardone, joined as always by my co-host, life partner, bromance lover, Jared Mintz. Jared, how are you doing today? Uh, I've been doing great. Today's been an awesome day. I'm a little uncomfortable at the moment by all those things you just labeled me and I guess us in the process, but uh, hey man, who can deny any of it? No, no, I mean, completely. Is it weird that I open the show? Isn't it always weird when I open the show? Put it on the poll. It's weird for me because I'm always in the driver's seat, so I never, like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, so do I take control back now or do I let Joe drive the show? What do we do here? This is also something that I'm sure nobody that's listening is thinking about other than, oh, is Jared not in again today? So <laughs> sorry if we threw you guys off. But, uh, well, yeah. I think other it's- podcasters know, like, because you're better at driving the show than I am, that there's a huge difference in who drives the show. You're a good driver, too, my friend. Don't oh, sell yourself short. thank you, you. Thank you. You crushed it with Tommy. It, it goes under underappreciated how good you were at driving the show that day. That's true. That was like that was an alternative show, if you will. It was. It was. It was special. It was like Comedy Bang Bang. I don't know if you watched that show. It just had its last season. And Scott Ackerman is the host of the show. So for one episode, he was a guest. And they let Jason Manzoukas, another comedian who is often on the podcast, host the show. So it's a funny twist. We hope everybody had fun with that. Did you uh, watch Three Mics by Neil Brennan yet, like I suggested? No, I did not. Oh. You told me Friday late afternoon. I've had a... I haven't had that busy of a weekend, actually, but I, I probably should have. It is life-altering. All right, so what we're going to do here, listeners, since I'm still driving the show for some reason, is we're going to start with some bad tweets. Jared, or Mario, what's our music producer's name? Seal, I believe it's Seal. Oh, Seal, Seal yeah. Seal, Seal, is- Seal took over. Seal has control <laughs> of all the music and the, the, the drops. So Seal, Seal's in the studio. Holler at Seal. Seal. Play the bad music tweets. I'm going to lead us off because you asked Seal to play the bad music tweets. Our first tweet, <laughs> our first tweet isn't from a fake person. It's from a real one. At Dean is real tweeted during the NFC championship. Man, bleep Odell for not eating against this defense. Bleep him. Bleep Odell. Bleep him. Blame the boat. Yep. You want to read the next one? I feel like the, these these bad tweets go together. Sure. Um, I can't even read this guy's at blank by trade. No, it's not that bad. You could say that word on this podcast. Yeah. You said, uh, I've douche. committed you. I've committed you now. At douche by trade. Uh, we lost to this team. LOL. That is one whole like, by the way. Yeah. We, by you. I, I'm the one that liked it. Because I, need, <laughs> I need to save it for a bad tweet. But anyway, that, that is a Cowboys fan who tweeted that. We lost to this team. He was pretty upset that they lost to the Packers. And our last bad tweet was from at Ace Rose, two A's in that. What bleeping receivers y'all said was better than Julio? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. LMAO. It's really funny that anybody ever said any receivers were better than Julio Jones. What were we thinking? Julio Jones was obviously the best wide receiver in football all season long, and we were all crazy for thinking by some chance maybe it was Antonio Brown. But I digress. Anyway, our bad tweets all have a common theme, and it's people being ridiculous and having a revisionist history and not respecting that their teams either lost or their players just didn't have great weeks, or that some teams just laid an egg today and were better prior, or I'm sorry, whatever day the NFC Championship took place on, and were uh, better prior to, to that game. 
I, I just I, I hate going on Twitter and seeing people do that and not, you know, kind of just allow their team to lose with dignity. Instead, you look at the next game and it's, oh, the Packers are frauds, the Steelers are frauds, because both teams absolutely laid eggs on Championship Sunday. And it was a dominant day for both the Falcons and both the Patriots. Uh, Joe, I think we should start by talking about the Falcons, though. What do you think? I totally 100,000% agree. Great. So anyway, as we just alluded to, the next Super Bowl, I don't even know what number it is, but our Super Bowl... 52. I don't know. Are we up to 50? It sounds about right. It's not 50. I know that much. Super Bowl next two weeks away from now. Uh, 51? I think it is actually. It's going to feature a battle of offensive-powered teams as the Atlanta Falcons and... New England Patriots will be squaring off in this one, but really both teams, again, just dominated on Sunday. They, they crushed their opposition, but I think the team that we have to be talking about first and foremost is the Atlanta Falcons because I think most people kind of expected that, that Patriots-Steelers game to not be that close, or at least they thought of the two games, there's a higher chance of a blowout in that game, but really it was the that just jumped all over the Packers from the start. It was a 24-0 score at, uh, at halftime in favor of the Falcons. Packers had no answer to Matt Ryan. I mean, we knew the Packers' defense wasn't great, but just the Falcons' offense was unstoppable, Joe. What do you think of uh, what we saw on Sunday? I'm Listen, we know the Packers' defense isn't good, but the Falcons' defense isn't supposed to be great either. So I was shocked that Green Bay you know, laid a goose egg in the first half. But Matt Ryan's been very good all year, so that's not terribly surprising. Julio Jones who is one of the three best receivers in the NFL. You can rank them any three order, I think. Unquestionably, and nobody said he wasn't one of those guys during the season. Right. And then uh, my favorite part of that game was Mohamed Sanu almost returning the onside kick for a touchdown. Yeah, that was dangerously close. But other than that, I mean, like this game was kind of a joke. It's uh, It was shocking to see Green Bay put up a goose egg in the first half, though. Like, I was like, really, is this what this game is going to be? And then that's what the game was. Obviously, Green Bay made it look slightly more respectable, I guess, but not really. And uh, this shows how much Green Bay needs, because Green Bay clearly still needs a lot of talent around Aaron Rodgers, because it's just Aaron Rodgers that's that got them to this point. Yeah, that, that's really well said. And it almost felt like I didn't know what they were doing out there. I feel like I saw way too much Aaron Rikowski. Aaron Ripkowski, I'm sorry. John, John Kuhn, 2017. Got way too many touches in this game. They kept throwing the ball to him. I feel like he was more involved in the offense than Ty Montgomery was. And we all know Montgomery played a really big role for this team over the last few years. But or I'm sorry, the last few weeks. But but still, I mean, the story is less what the Packers weren't able to do and more that the Falcons were just unstoppable. And forgive me if this sounds hyperbolic, but I was watching this game and the Falcons offense looked a lot to me like the Patriots offense, where they're just completing a lot, a lot of short passes. A lot of catches over the middle, and when they're not expecting it, they're killing them deep. It, it just felt like this offense had such a good, uh, well-balanced attack. Both Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman had meaningful touches and meaningful impact in this game. And it was just more of what we saw all season with the Falcons offense spreading it around and just killing you with big plays. I mean, obviously, you look at the box score, and Julio went for 9, 180, and two touchdowns. He had that monster 73-yard score where it looked like the play was dead, but Julio was not going to play dead. He just kept throwing defenders off of him, and he got to the end zone. But just the the Falcons' offense was just unbelievable in this game, and I feel like there has to be some kind of confidence for them going into the Super Bowl. Well, 100%. To be fair, Ty Montgomery and Rukowski had the exact same amount of touches and targets. 
Um, right, but that's not that's a bad thing. I no, no, like no, I agree. But you made it like just to clarify that it wasn't this discrepancy where he actually got more. Um, but uh, I think the, Fal- the Falcons remind me of the Kurt Warner Patriots more than the or the Kurt Warner Rams more than the the Patriots. Um, they have a little bit better ability to go down the field. Um, Tom Brady kind of loses that without Gronk, and then Devontae Freeman, who was not Marshall Falk. Um, does catch a ton of balls out of the backfield, which I guess Deion Lewis does do when New England uses him. But, um, yeah, man, if you're Atlanta, you got to feel great. The thing is, like, it's Atlanta. Do you trust Atlanta? That's not even trying to be, like, snarky about it. It's just, like, you know, like, I didn't. I don't know who had Atlanta pegged to go to the Super Bowl this year. Not That doesn't mean they can't win it. It's just I'm still trying to figure, like, catch up on this train of, holy smoke, Atlanta's offense is so good. Um, like the over under for the Super Bowl is probably going to be three thousand. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be a really high point total. I mean, if this is a defensive showdown, everybody's wrong forever. Anybody that takes the under is going to make a billion dollars. It just it, it feels like the Falcons really came on strong towards the end of the season. I remember being surprised hearing that they were going to be the second team out of the NFC to get a bye in the playoffs. But I remember you and I kind of you know sat around doing the podcast, and around the middle of the season. After they beat Denver, you know, we kind of said to each other, oh, man, th- this offense is good. They they can really get out there and, and throw against anybody. And obviously it's Matt Ryan that's leading that charge. He's going to be one of the, the top MVP candidates. I'd have to imagine he finishes, you know, top three or so in voting. Also for NFC Offensive Player of the Year. But th- this is just what these guys have been doing. And, you know, they were able to get through the NFC. They were able to get through Seattle and Green Bay, who were both banged up. New England's defense looked pretty good against Pittsburgh. And, yes, you, you can make the case that Pittsburgh wasn't 100%. Le'Veon Bell leaves that game in the first quarter and doesn't really get back out there. And they just they were never able to recover from there. Also, credit to New England's defense for really singling in on Antonio Brown and not letting him make any big plays against them. But the New England defense just isn't that fantastic that I feel like you can expect for this to be a pretty close game or at least have a pretty close spread opening up. Joe, what would you expect for the spread of this game to be? Oh, man. Well, I think the Patriots will be favorites because that's just the way Vegas works, and they're going to want money to shift around. But I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be under six, and I know that's still a big number, anywhere between three and a half to six. But uh, it's really not that big. Do you know what I mean? So for a Super Bowl game, when one of the teams just travels better and it's more prominently known. So I th- I, I, I'm, I'm thinking like six. Yeah, that, that sounds about right, too. I was thinking probably close to five and a half for New England. Um, either way, it should be a really fun game. But before we talk a little more about the Super Bowl, was there anything that really stood out to you in the AFC Championship game, Joe? Yeah, though, I mean, to be fair to Pittsburgh, they started like five rookies on defense. So, I mean, what were they expect? Chris Hogan, clearly better than Julio Jones. Um, clearly. I, I, this is probably going to sound weird. Um Man, do the Patriots have a lot of white people running around on offense. <laughs> um, I was getting confused. I was like, oh, there's Chris Hogan again. No, that's Julian Edelman. And then there's Danny Amdola, and I'm like, what is going on? And then why? What? what is this deal where Bill – this is just questions. I don't know the answers. Like, Deion Lewis was great last week, and then he's barely used this week. Um, also, my favorite observation of the game is when Garrett Blunt did that run where his offensive line pushed him seven yards, and – I think it was Phil Simms, whoever was announcing the games, like, and he carried seven dudes. No, he didn't. He was getting pushed by his offensive line. It's okay yeah. to say that, um, which I thought it was supposed to be against the rules anyway. But, um, yeah, Pittsburgh was banged up. 
Ben's receivers couldn't catch. Like, the one guy dropped the pass in the end zone. I can't remember which one. Sammy Coles dropped the pass early in the game. Um, which makes me, like, I know we're all really supposed to be high on some of uh, Pittsburgh's non-Antonio Brown receivers. Man, you got to catch some of those balls. I mean, that, and then that first, the end of the first half play, or whatever that was, when the Jesse James, right? Yeah. That his name, where he got stopped at, like, the half of the bazillion inch line. And then right. I couldn't believe, I thought New England was just going to let him score so they could go down the field and score out themselves. But then they stopped him. And uh, there, we, we, we had that borderline bad tweet where the guy said, this is why Mike Tomlin's a cheerleader. Uh, that's, <laughs> that is a bad tweet. I was, when it was first and one, and you have giant, fat Ben Roethlisberger, just from the sneak. Yeah, that, that seems to be the consensus. What are they doing? Why are they not just, you know, sneaking in with Roethlisberger? That, that was a big spot for them. They really needed to get six there, and they were unable to. I, I had the same thought of, is Belichick just going to let them score so they can get the ball back here? But, you know, they came up strong. They made stops. They, they used their timeouts to, to get momentum back. They, they didn't score again to, to close the half out, but it was well defended, and the Patriots' defense was just really good all day. Yeah, they, they, it was really good defensive game planning. Um, can, I get, can I get my one super secret hot take on the Patriots then? Let's get it. So you know Josh McDaniels pulled his name out from all head coaching positions? Correct. Next, maybe not this year, but next year, Belichick's retiring. Josh McDaniels is your next Patriots head coach. He was oh, told he, it was top secret information. Like why? Why else would you not take millions of dollars to be a head coach? I know he's probably compensated well as an assistant, but he's probably like three or four mil, three more million a year being a head coach, even if it's for a stinky team. So yeah, what, what's the job out there for him though? That Sam, he would want to leave New England. No, right. well, no, do you really want? No, but I mean, like, how many times? Are you going? I'm, I'm sure he's going to get more job offers next year. I'm just saying, like most people try to, you know, they want to advance their career, and and everybody has an ego where they think they could turn around anything. You know what I mean? So sure. Uh, and you, I, you I, know, I, I totally, you know that I you know that with McDaniel's too being, you know, a Broncos fan. And I him thought he, I, didn't, your team. I didn't want him getting fired. I from Denver. I liked him a lot. I thought he was one of those deals where, yeah, he was hired too young, and he needed more experience, but like. I never liked the idea, and I know in the NFL it's different because there's not as much turnover. There's there's more turnover than we realize. We're always like, oh, these guys' sticks run thin on them. But outside your quarterback and a couple skill receivers and maybe a couple line, like most of your bottom 30 guys aren't the same guys every year. But uh, I always thought they should have stuck with him because he's going to excel at his next head of coaching job because he's a very good offensive coordinator. I think he was just like 32 years old, and that's a lot of responsibility for a 32-year-old. So I'm a big was, fan. I'm a big fan of Josh McDaniels. Yeah, he was really young, and they kind of put everything you know on the line for Tim Tebow for that that connection. And hey, things didn't necessarily work out poorly for the two of them. The the Broncos were just really in a position where they could make a massive upgrade, and Josh McDaniels was kind of the odd man out there. So he was also he also did all like at 33 or whatever he, he did all their draft. They gave him all the power, which was a mistake. Like it's always a mistake, even. Andy Holgren, what was his name from Seattle? Andy Holgren, Mike Holmgren, Mike Holmgren, whatever it doesn't matter. I mix it. He looks like it. Andy Reid, yeah, that's right. Yeah, (laughs) but like whenever, no matter how, like you, you, these guys should never have the same power unless you're Bill Belichick, apparently. Right, right, and yeah, I mean, it's just it's remarkable. Again, you got to kind of tip your hats here to the. Listen, you know I'm a Jets fan. I'm at a point where I just can't even hate them anymore. Like I respect it. 
I look at them just like every year they're favorites to get to the Super Bowl. And more often than not, they're getting there. And it's been this way for 15 freaking years now. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sick of it. But I'm so sick of it. Like, you know when you're so hungry that you're just not hungry anymore? I'm so sick of it that, like, I'm kind of into it at this point. <laughs> it, it, it's cool for them. I mean, personally, what, one of my best friends actually works for the Patriots. And I hope he doesn't have to work extra long. So I hope they lose the Super Bowl so he can kind of get out of that. But uh, how, how do you, you know, how do you root against them when they get this far every year? That's a marvel at their greatness. Tom Brady sets all kinds every single time he steps out there in the playoffs i think of the afc championship he set the the playoff touchdown record and he had a career high in passing yards and i mean they, they just come out every single week and do something different that's ridiculous so I, i'm actually really looking forward to the super bowl i think it's a really good matchup i don't think either defense is going to be able to stop the other offense so to me that that sounds like it's going to be a really fun game what are some things that you're looking forward to in the super bowl and of course We'll talk more about the Super Bowl. We have two freaking weeks until the game, but let's just get some early thoughts out there on what we're looking forward to. I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to. If the Patriots even better. If the Patriots lose, all the Tom Brady lost his win loss record in the Super Bowl takes. Yeah. Yeah, you might get that. And it, it's really it's pitiful. I mean, I, I would like to think that with LeBron James doing what he's done over the last few years, we kind of get to this point where we're not like, well, he's lost four times in the finals more. It's just like he's gotten there seven times. You know, you, you respect that. And it's really the same with Brady. If he loses, I mean, he still has an overwhelmingly winning record in, in the Super Bowl. What does he have four already? He wins another. He's at he's at five and two. He loses. He's still four and three. I mean, the, the guy's great. And the longer he plays, it seems like he's still in his peak, which is the craziest thing, at least statistically. And the fact that he's putting up these kinds of seasons getting older, I mean, you really you just can't criticize the guy beyond like the cheating stuff and the, the ribbing at him for them getting caught cheating. He's just ridiculous. And I'm sorry, I keep saying the word ridiculous, but like it just personifies this team. It's unbelievable what they've been able to do with him seemingly getting better as he gets older. I mean, no quarterback does this. With like Chris Hogan, who was <laughs> a journeyman receiver. They still the biggest like reference to Chris Hogan is him being on Hard Knocks with the Miami Dolphins and then referring to him in one episode as Seven Eleven. That is his like famous moment, and they still bring so it up they every, cut him. and they still cut every, him. Right, every every time he has a big game, it's like oh they called him Seven Eleven on Hard Knocks. It's like <laughs> all right, that's all we have for this guy. Oh, well, Phil, Phil Simmons was heavy on the lacrosse stuff today. Lacrosse oh, and Monmouth. Big time, big time. A lot, a lot of talking about how he was a poor, poor Rutgers, by the way. He kept saying no big time school recruited him to play football while Rutgers recruited him. Yeah, it, it happens. Well, they, they gave a lot of shout outs to Rutgers on that broadcast, too, because I, a lot of that uh, secondary is from Rutgers and yada, yada, yada. We know well, Belichick. My favorite, yeah, Belichick's son played lacrosse at Rutgers. A lot of lacrosse mentions as well. Um, yeah. It was a weird broadcast, man. I, I'll tell you, uh, Phil Sims just says the wildest thing. I think he just says whatever. He's like, Tom Brady just throws the ball so hard, and I think it I think it makes it easier for the receivers. No, man, catching a ball coming in that 9,000 miles per hour is a lot harder than catching one throw on soft. Yeah, you're breaking your thumbs. I don't know how easy that is. Yeah, he just says stuff, and then just kind of hopes nobody notices. Yeah, good good old Phil Sims. All right, Joe, so what, what's something that you're actually looking forward oh, to? Oh, um... Remember? Oh, uh, yeah, all, all the points. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go with defensive aspect with this, and I'm interested in seeing if... Belichick forces more of an effort on stopping the backfield of Atlanta from catching balls, or he tries to blanket Julio Jones. Because I think you can only really focus on one of those aspects, is stopping those short passes out of the backfield or really doing what they did with Antonio Brown today 
and doing your best to limit that that number one receiver on the other team. And again, you know, you saw the bad tweet. You saw what Julio did on the field today. He's as good as anybody in the game. So it, it's kind of going to be interesting watching that that uh, that power struggle between those two sides. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm one, I mean, he's not the best receiver in the NFL. That's Chris Hogan, but yeah. That is best best receiver and best former lacrosse player. All, all the good things. E- either way, one of these teams is going to be a Super Bowl champion. The, one of these teams <laughs> is going to be a Super Bowl champion, and they're going to be visiting the White House at oh, some yeah. point down, down the not too uh, far line. Which kind of brings us into our next topic. Obviously, this weekend after Friday's inauguration had a, a lot of political. I don't even know what the right way to describe it. A lot of. Well, not even undertones. I mean, the the whole story of the weekend in, in this country was really all the protesting and, and speaking out against, you know, our new president, People. Donald Trump, <laughs> and every, everything along those lines. You know, listen, we're here for sports and for fun, so we're obviously not trying to give too much of our political opinion on, on the podcast. But we did want to talk about how sports kind of intertwines with this, and we saw it kind of firsthand coming out of San, San Antonio Spurs coach Greg Popovich, who... I don't know, I had a good, like, four-minute rant on Donald Trump and kind of speaking about why people were protesting and the intolerance towards protesting and how he thinks that's wrong. Keep in mind, Popovich graduated from the Air Force Academy, serving nine years and separating as a major. He was also an intelligence officer and stationed in eastern Turkey during the Cold War, which is kind of, like, crazy to think how far back that goes. But obviously Popovich is somebody who always sounds... I don't want to stay educated, but always sounds thoughtful when he's speaking and kind of doesn't chime in just to speak. He doesn't speak to hear himself. Uh, so he, he made his thoughts known on, on the state of our, our president, our country, and our politics. What do you think about, about Popovich speaking up? And he's not the first NBA coach to speak up. Stan Van Gundy has in the past. Steve Kerr has as well. Adam Silver has kind of spoken about how he hopes that, that American leaders can be inclusive. So while he didn't exactly come out against Donald Trump, you know, he kind of addressed some of the things that people who are against Donald Trump have brought up as reasons they have a gripe against him. What, what do you think of Popovich being kind of someone to, to get out front and be a leader for the NBA and, and let his thoughts be known? I think it's good that you prefaced all his prior NBA experience to – because I mean, your credibility for having an opinion on this should just be that you live in this country, but – People will nitpick and say, well, like, what have you done? You know what I mean? Greg Popovich right. has done a lot. A lot more than most of us. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and he's educated on the topic. Now, this doesn't mean he's always going to be right. And it doesn't mean it's always going to be eloquent. But he's clearly emotionally, like, I mean, most of us, all of us should be emotionally invested. I think some of us aren't as actually emotionally invested as we are just ready to fire up jokes on Twitter. But he clearly cares. And... Whether you agree or disagree with him, I think this is part of a, what a democracy is, is uh, a discourse. And if you have a – this is what Michael Jordan used to get killed for, you know what I mean, is he had this giant platform and he never used it. And that, that whole line of, well, Republicans buy sneakers too. Right. Um, if you have that giant platform and you want to use it, like I don't say you have to use it, but if you want to use it, I think that's great. And um, sometimes we're going to like it and sometimes we're not. And right now we're in a really divisive time, and I think inclusion is what everybody wants um, outside the um, the alt right slash hipster Nazis. Um, yeah. Everybody else wants inclusion. Even I don't want to go too political, but like even people that are subconsciously being 
not inclusive want to be inclusive. It's just, I think somebody like Popovich, who has experience, who has a background like you mentioned, I think it's important for him. Or somebody like Steve Kerr, whose father was assassinated. Um, I think basketball, the NBA is I, I leaps and bo- like just so much better at this than any other sport at being progressive, at being having the right, seemingly ha- always having the right guys ahead of the curve talking about these subjects and not somebody just sounding like a meathead spewing stuff. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I mean, they kind of have to be. You you look at other leagues and obviously, you know, the ra- the racial constructs of every professional league vary and are different. Uh, of course, you know, the NBA isn't the only professional sports league that's predominantly African-American, but being that, you know, more than any other league that they really are, they have the higher, highest percentage of players, owners, uh, coaches who are African-American, you know, they, they have to speak up. They, they're not as divided in the locker rooms as maybe an NFL locker room is where, you know, Woody Johnson is being appointed as an ambassador to Trump for the United Kingdom. God bless you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, it's, and you know Tom Brady has a Trump hat in his locker room. You're just you're not seeing that in the NBA as much. So I, I think it was really great that that Pop you know spoke up and that he kind of he was demeaning it to extent in what he said. He referred to Trump as a bully, and I think he was quoting somebody who actually did that. But the fact that that came out of his mouth, you know, it, it really just kind of speaks to the message he's trying to send, not just to his locker room, but to NBA fans and even to just the NBA in general. And I, I think it's really powerful. And I understand the people who say we watch sports to, to get away from everything that's going on outside of sports. But it, it's just important for somebody like Pop, who is regarded as such a strong leader and who's one of the main you know culture builders in the NBA. And you look at other teams around the league who are successful. And if their coach is from Pop's tree, it's, oh, it's Pop. It's the Pop effect. And we never stop giving this guy credit for being a great basketball coach, but just also being so self-aware and having great emotional intelligence and his approach to it. He, he's really the perfect guy to step up and say something. And it's a great look for the NBA that he did. Yeah, um, I do think the conversation about people that say, I want to watch sports to watch sports, keep politics out of it, are generally the same people that, I don't know how to put this, Um, they want to make really weird sports conversations that are nothing to do with sports. Do you know what I mean? Like, you want, you you claim, like, not, not everybody, I'm not throwing a wet blanket over everybody that watches sports, but the same people that say keep politics out of sports are the same people that are kind of making Odell Beckham Jr.'s boat trip a deal, which yeah. has nothing to do with sports. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's just, like, it's where your comfortable line is where you're okay talking about it. I know you and I are both fine talking politics and sports. We mostly choose not to because we're kind of young and we're still relatively young in our pod- podcast, and it's a risk, and we don't want to get fired. And... Well, we don't uh, want to alienate listeners either. I mean, listen, I well, think I a big part... I, personally, myself, I don't care if we'd alienate. Like, if I if I could be honest, like, I, I, I personally don't want to. I don't do it because I don't want... I know what you think about it, and I also know what my boss thinks about it. I'd prefer, I, I wouldn't care if I alienated. As, in this specific instance, I wouldn't care. I got I'm you. not a fan of Nazis, man. I'm sorry. No, no, of course, of course. I, I just think they're... There's different levels of extremes to this, and it's almost to a point where I, I'm very much – I, you know what? Let's not do this. Let's make this uh, Okay, Joe, okay. Joe, you know, I went to um, – this is a true story. 
There was it wasn't uh, a woman's parade. It was or march. It was some some kind of protest thing, and uh, I didn't get to punch a Nazi man. That's that's too bad, man. Life goals. Put put it on your to do list. Put it on but the poll. Will Joe ever get to punch a Nazi? No, that that's a good thing though. I guess it's good that you're not seeing those people where you're. That's you true. Know, out, that's that's out the silver out. lining in this otherwise gloomy cloud. I apparently don't live by Nazis who go by marches. It wasn't a that's, march though. It was just like a small protest. I don't even know what the protest was. Well, you you joined them, so that's good for you. I didn't join them. I was walking by to go somewhere. Good story to Burger King to get a hot dog. All right, Joe, let, let's wrap this up with a, a little bit of fun take. I suppose it might offend somebody. I don't know. What athletes do you think have a re- that have a realistic shot at visiting the White House over the next four years are going to actually be pumped about it? Uh, Brady, I, I mean, Ben. Yeah, obviously, obviously, you have Brady and and the Patriots. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, who's Somebody said he's openly a Trump supporter. I don't know if that's actually true. I don't remember ever reading anything about that. Um, but I'll say Big Ben. Um, I'm trying to think who else. What is team Mitch? is Spencer Hawes on? Why? Is he still in the league? Yeah, I think so. Well, then he, I guess Spencer Hawes. Well, he got, he's probably not on, but he's good on any good team. He is on the Hornets. So if the Hornets make a run, I mean... Watch out, Spencer Hawes be happy about it. I can't think of any other like NBA players. That Most, it's weird because, well, listen, NFL, I bet you there's a lot of NFL players who would, I don't know if it's maybe me, well, but the, NFL, about, like, the NFL seems like reddish to me. Yeah, yeah, to an extent. So let's, let's think about like realistic good teams that have a shot at getting there. Boom. So you look, no baseball, year, not, not a single, Brian McCann, who does he play for? Not the Yankees anymore. I believe they traded him to Pittsburgh. He's the only baseball player that I could think of that I'd want to go see. Oh, I wouldn't think that. I, I would think that there's probably... Madison Bumgarner. The, uh, I feel like maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Cause now I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, I, but I, and Also, this is just called for which white people do we think are we excited to see Donald Trump? Right. Um, let's think about it, though. But look at the NFL. Look at the best teams in the NFL. So look at the Seahawks. I don't think there's a player on the Seahawks. <laughs> no, they'd be excited to go. But not to actually make it like civil. They'd want to go to to make some kind of point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the Seahawks, the Cardinals, I, they weren't good this year. I don't know why I'm including them in this. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, they weren't good either. I'm thinking about 2015 NFL season. Well, who in the Carolina uh, Panthers would want to go there? Nobody. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm running through teams, but I'm doing it in a backwards way. Um, who won the NFC North this year? The Packers? <laughs> I don't really think any of those guys would have been too pumped about it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe on the Giants. Do the Giants still have Josh Brown? He might be into that kind of thing. Oh, man. We're just linking people that we think are bad people All right, in sports. So yeah, this, game, this game was a lot less fun than I No, yeah. We're just like, who's bad people in sports? And <laughs> who's, the who's racist? <laughs> yeah. Who's racist? Um, all right, Joe. Let's, let's scrap that and instead... Get Seal back on the horn and tell him to hit the That Don't Look Good music. Seal, make your mark. Maybe it is. But maybe it is. Yeah, it's something good. That don't look good. Because that's how he makes his money. (laughs) Really, Seal is only big on the AMA portion (laughs) of the program, which isn't even taking place today. No, we're doing three segment music today, though. Yeah, well, we we didn't do it. That don't look good on Friday, so I kind of wanted to bring it back, and we had a really good reason to. I don't know if you saw this. I wouldn't know how you didn't, but in the Sacramento Kings-Chicago Bulls game on Saturday night, 
the game ended about as poorly as it could as it, it was a tie game with 15 seconds to go. Dwayne Wade gets out on a fast break with DeMarcus Cousin trailing him. Wade almost has a wide open dunk. He blows the dunk, but there's a whistle. Yeah, I saw it, yeah. Because DeMarcus Cousins apparently breathed on him or was in the vicinity of him. They call a foul on DeMarcus Cousins when he didn't make any contact with him. It cost the Kings the game. DeMarcus Cousins trashed whatever he could get his hands and feet on after the game on his way to the locker room. Poor DeMarcus Cousins getting picked on when he's not even doing anything wrong here. What what did you think of this highlight, Joe? I, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was fake. So, yeah, he gets zero benefit of the doubt at this point. The... The, th- the the weird thing here is right. So like when I saw the highlight, I because I didn't watch the game live. I saw Wade. You get the, weren't watching the Kings Bulls on Saturday night. Well, listen, the Kings are a playoff contending team. That's why this is actually meaningful. But um, Wade's going down the court, and I'm watching the highlight, and like my TV's volume's not up, so I'm not listening to whatever whoever's talking's talking. And I'm like, he's gonna try to dunk this, isn't he? And he did. <laughs> that like <laughs> so like when they called the follow. Foul. I was very confused because all I saw was an old, like an older player, Willie Mays. It. Do you know what I mean? And uh, there's nothing against Dwayne Wade. Who's still, you know, he's fine. Whatever. There's nothing he, to do with Dwayne Wade. He would dunk on both of us if he had the right. Option. Like it has nothing to do with Dwayne Wade. I just I found it comical. Then I saw the foul, and then they kept showing the replay. I'm like, I, I don't understand what's going on here. And I, I it wasn't until the next day where I had the volume on. That I realized that they called it like because I I didn't know what was going on. They kept showing the replay. I'm like, why did they keep? This is really mean. They kept showing Dwayne Wade missing a dunk. You know what I mean? They had the Shaq and a full music on in the yeah, background. Right, right. And then uh, they're like, yeah, Boogie Cousins, and I'm like, man, Boogie did nothing. And uh, it's got like if you're Boogie, I like some of it is, oh man, like some of it, I, it's not deserved, right? But, but, like, I get that he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, but that wasn't even close. And to be him and to be, like, finally, like, sniffing the playoffs, this has to be infuriating. Yeah, it's just – it's so messed up. I, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to go to the route of, like, oh, they're a respectable team now. I mean, I'm not going to get the standings up, but they're at least, like, six or seven games under 500. Just anybody's going to fall into that eighth seed. I think it's actually the Denver Nuggets right now. I don't think it's the Kings. But either way, you, this is such a – lose-lose for DeMarcus. Again, after the game, he kind of trashes stuff along his way to the locker room. In the locker room, once he gets to the media, he's fake applauding the refs. And because of this, this is a that they they may not have lost. They may have won. And you momentum out. You you gave the Bulls an extra point that they didn't deserve here. In fact, they missed a dunk, and they get points out of it. It's just, I'm starting to feel bad for DeMarcus Cousins, and I know for a little while I was kind of on the fence of, well, he does it to himself, so I can't feel that bad for him. But when you see something like this, I mean, it's just, he's defenseless. There's nothing he could do. No, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Now, all that all of that being said, the timing of the play obviously stinks, and the call stinks. Um, but, I mean, like, poop happens, too. And I don't want to sound like I get it. If I'm Demarcus, I'm super mad. I feel like I'm getting picked on all the time. Sometimes poop just happens too. Do you know what I you mean? Just, yeah, but you just never want to see a game decided by refs like that. Well, and I, I mean, but I, it's gonna. It's gonna. It's just. It, it's, it does. It's Listen, you're you're talking to a Knicks fan here, and I am not one of the Knicks fans who says the refs are killing us. Even though the other night, you know, Sidney Lowe standing on the court twice, and that there's nothing being done about it. I mean, he didn't Courtney get out. Courtney Lee there. should have bumped into him. That would have been an were, automatic tech. 
You're 100% right, and again, it's not like he blocked Courtney Lee or anything like well, that. How but awesome still, would that been? I thought about that. Like, what if Sidney Lowe was just like, wah! I think he was a pretty solid defender in his day, so it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if he could get out there in front of Courtney Lee, but it just it, it stinks to see the refs kind of lose a game for a team, and I'm, I'm not using that as an opportunity to say the Knicks have been wronged. It's whatever the Knicks think. Oh, dude, the Knicks have been totally wronged. Oh, man. By their own management. We are not talking about the Knicks today. I think we did. I think we had Knicks segments in five straight shows. So that don't look good. Didn't look good for Demarcus. And hopefully, I don't know. The basketball gods make it up to him. But until then, Joe, let's wrap up our show with some absurd questions. Absurd questions. All right. How do you feel about your question on a scale of one to ten? One. So I guess you should go first. Yes. All right. Are you ready? Thanks for the one. Yeah. Let's get it. Well, here's the thing. Do you want, to be, want me to be honest about this before I ask you my third question? I don't, but I, now I guess I have to tell you. Yes, I, so. I, I forgot this was part of the, the show today, so I had to think of it while we were recording, which doesn't necessarily always work out. Which isn't any different than your approach every other single show that we do when you think of something. <laughs> like You go silent on me for 10 seconds early in the show, and you're like, yeah, just give me a sec. I'm doing my absurd question. But you don't actually say it. I just know it. All right, Joe, so... <laughs> What question did you come up with while I was talking about Tom Brady earlier? All right. I don't know if we've – I feel like we've done this one before. So I'm going to give you a couple couple options here because I'm not sure if we did. Um, if you could live in any video game, movie, or TV universe, which one would it be? Um, can I, I think I have to say Willy Wonka here. Why would you want to live in Willy Wonka's universe? Because if I could live in his castle, I mean, or it's obvious, his mansion, what is it? Is it a mansion? Is yeah, it a castle? But, is it a factory? But you're not necessarily going to be like a main character. Like, you're just in that universe. You're you, but in that universe. Okay, so I'm not like, I get to choose who I am in the universe. Right, you're, just, not, you're not literally Willy Wonka. You, you'd just be in his universe. You'd be Jared Mintz in Willy Wonka's universe. All right, then, I, if that's if that's what we're adding on to this. Hmm. But that pretty much but, takes away every horror movie, every... Movie with lots of shooting. All the comic book movies. Right, right. I'm kind of thinking maybe like a little Dr. Doolittle. Wait, would the animals speak to me if I was in Dr. Doolittle or no because I'm still just me in that movie? Well, listen, if you're in Dr. Doolittle's world, you're at least close to Eddie Murphy. So... I, that's not. I don't need that. I mean, I have, I have any opportunity here. What about? <laughs> see that? Like, you have, I like you have any opportunity? You, yeah, I feel like anytime you ask me a question like this, it's like, oh, porno. I should probably be in a porno or something because crazy <laughs> stuff happens and they're constantly naked and they go from talking about like weather to having sex immediately. But I, I don't want that life. I'm getting married soon. I don't want that. Um, yeah. Okay. What, what's your answer here? Uh, buy, buy some time for me. Sure. Um, I would like to live. In Final Fantasy VII. Or, you know what? The Mass Effect universe. I wouldn't mind being a side character there on one of the stable planets or systems where there's not a lot of stuff going on. Because, like, most of the stuff kind of goes on in space away from the Citadel, which is, like, the primary place. Although the Citadel gets attacked towards the end. Um, But, like, the main characters seem to have it good, and everything's, like, very futuristic, and nobody really gets hurt or sick. So that seems pretty. And everybody looks really nice. If you know what I mean, and there's inter and there's interspecies love. I was gonna say I don't know what you mean there. Was that a racist remark? But that that's good. That that sounds like a a cool place to be. I could just tell you places I don't really want to be. Um, like Jurassic Park. I don't want to be oh, in Jurassic no. Park. I don't want to be in Jumanji. I don't want to be in Home Alone. Um, 
if I say like I want to be in like NBA Live, does that mean I'm a basketball player? You'd have to be. Yeah, you'd have to be. But that's all you would be, though. Like, what else I mean, do you do? Ball is life as it is, so I guess I'd be okay Ooh. with that. Ooh, I like it. Like, like that, you wouldn't want to be like in The Walking Dead, like anything that where you could die pretty easily. Right. It's it's pretty easy to say what I don't want to be. You know, like I don't want to be in Gilligan's Island. I don't want to be on Lost. Maybe I want to be on like the Real World or something. I, don't, I wouldn't. I, don't... I wouldn't hate Lost as long as like, man, because some of the side characters get it bad. But like a lot of the side characters, you barely see. Like they make it throughout the whole series untouched, unscathed. Because you're not asked to do anything scary. Yeah. See, it's just it's a different question because we've done variations of this where it's like if you could be any one character, who would it be? So that kind of gets you thinking about the world. Well, that's world. Ted, Ted Danson and Cheers. Is that who you'd want to be? I don't know, man. He he seemed to have a pretty going on. Obviously, he was a former baseball player who's a bartender. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets. Yeah, so, and people loved him, and he had, like he had always dating beautiful women. Yeah, I I really want to have a good answer to this, and I just can't think of one like. I think NBA Live is, like, my calling, although probably, like, 2K, so I'd be a better animated version Bring of that. Bring up yourself, yeah. I'm trying to think what would be good for you. Like, you know, like, an easy scapegoat answer probably is the Sims universe, because it's pretty much just us anyway. Yeah. I don't uh, know anything about the Sims. No, me neither, but it sounds right. Um, Man, wonder. I wonder what else. What video games have I played recently? You want to do You want to do good in the Metal Gear universe. No, maybe, maybe like a musical or something. Maybe I'd want to be in, like, Singing in the Rain, so I could, like, tap dance. Ooh, like, I like whatever it. Whatever, I have to say something. I would pay to watch that. Yeah. You know what? Do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be in Singing in the Rain. I like it. Good for you. Cool. La La, so, La, right. La, La Land, baby? I want to see it. I really want to see it. I like musicals. They're, they're good. I, I haven't seen it. I, isn't this idea of La La Land that these guys, people, actually can't sing, but it's still a musical? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know anything about it. Me neither. All right. Um, oh, you have to ask your absurd question. Here we go. With the Royal Rumble coming up next Ooh, week. Yes. Yeah. All if right. You had to, if you had to pick any four professional athletes to be the final four in a Royal Rumble, who would it be and who would win and who would they fight at WrestleMania? All right. So these could be non-wrestlers, I take it. They can't be wrestlers. Right. Professional athletes. So non – I mean, no, don't make them like WWE wrestlers who could oh. really be at the Royal Rumble. All right. So Grayson Allen. You could go the MMA route if you want. Nice. Grayson, no, that's a Gray, good Grayson Allen, Dwight Howard. Uh, because he's like my Andre the Giant of the match. Um, Grayson Allen, Dwight Howard. I feel we're like thinking, we're thinking the same. We're thinking the same along these lines. If those are the guys you're going with, I feel like I'm going to go basketball heavy. Those are the two that immediately jumped out of my mind. Um, it's just easiest to imagine like basketball players doing hurricane ranas because they're so athletic. So that, <laughs> right. that's kind of where I stand with that. Oh, Dennis Schroeder. It's nice. Um, he's definitely a high flyer. Um, has to be. Yeah. Uh, man, well, I mean, you could, you swaggy, and I guess Swaggy P because he cut a good mic. He cut a good promo. Yeah, you're probably right about. I just that. went all so, basketball players. Tackle fall maybe he's seven six. Wow, two giants in that. So, like, I'm kind of disappointed that you went with, um, who was the point guard you just went? Dennis Schroeder? I guess yeah. that kind of works, because he's foreign, but you could have went with, like, a Rubio <laughs> or a Sergio Rodriguez. he's foreign. Yeah, I don't know, he's the Luchadors. Yeah, yeah, you want a Luchador. You could have you just put a mask over Ricky Rubio, and they wouldn't have known it's not Rey Mysterio. I mean. That's right. You, who's your four-way? I think about who they're going to face at WrestleMania. All right, so I'm with the basketball right as well. The basketball route as well. I'm starting with my big man, who's Demarcus Cousins. I feel like he's got to be like amazing wrestling. 
like he jump off the top rope and land a frog, a frog splash. I don't know, something cool. So I went to Marcus Cousins. I went Marcus Smart. I feel like Marcus Smart would, would be great in this environment. Yes, I yes. Put, I put Russell Westbrook in there, too, because I think he would probably – he'd hit a Van Terminator on somebody from, like, another ring. They would have to do – they'd have to do, like, <laughs> put the like five rings, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they would have to do what they did in WCW, with what they had at the end of Ready to Rumble and that one terrible pay-per-view where it was, like, the hell in the cell. Do you, do you remember what I'm I talking know, about? I know, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and my, my fourth is just because I feel like – you always got to have a quiet guy in the fight. Uh, Kawhi would actually. I have Kawhi winning, and of course, he faced at WrestleMania. Who else? Who does he face? And it, LeBron. Oh, okay. I change. I'm going to remove Dwight Howard. You're not going to know who this is, but for Florida State, they have a player named Michael Ojo. Google. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Do you know who is he is? He? Yeah, of course. He is built for wrestling. He's not a very good basketball player, but he is nope. built to be a pro wrestler, and he's legit seven foot. And he wins the Royal Rumble. And I'm going to have him go to face... Who would I like to see? You know what? Boogie Cousins is a good answer. So I'd like to see Michael Ojo, who's ripped and huge, face Boogie. He's not like he's not chubby or nothing, but he, he's just scary and huge. So it'd be like, like a big man versus big man match. I like that. I feel like Michael Ojo is like an eighth-year senior. Hasn't he been at Florida State for like 15 years? Remember, uh, I used to write. I used to write for Chop Chat. Yeah, and uh, we thought. I thought he was going to be very good, but he's never developed to anything other than being a giant. Like he's super athletic, which makes it weird that he's not really good. Um, although Florida State, man, they are really good. Five and one yeah. last six games, all against ranked teams. Probably best team in the ACC. Probably should start receiving votes in the top three or four teams in the country AP poll. And, uh, yeah, man, they have as many pros on their – good pros, not just pros, good pros on their roster as about any team in the country outside Kentucky. If you had to rank the top five teams in the ACC right now, They're one. It. They're one. Um, oh. I'm, inter- I'm asking because I'm interested in seeing where you have Notre Dame. They're, oh, pro- Notre Dame's probably two. Um, give me a second. That's what I was thinking as well. Give me one second to think. Because uh, I, I love Matt Farrell. I love Bonzi Colson. I love that they are both big players for them this year. All right. So Florida State's one, Notre Dame's two, North, North Carolina's three. This is where it gets really tough, right, because nobody's really all stepped up. Um, listen, man, Virginia needs to score. I know people are going to talk about pacing and stuff like that. Start playing Kyle, Kyle Guy more, Tony Bennett. Seriously, start playing them more. You have two guys that score in double figures per game. They're at 11 and 10 points each. That's not going to get it done. You only can play one style of basketball. That's not great. I'm still putting Virginia four. Um, I guess I guess Louisville five. Ooh, and Duke is not on the list. Um, well, let's be all right. There's a bunch of issues with Duke, right? Real quick, of course, I'll, of course. <clears throat> here, Giles should probably actually. I did. I talk about Giles to you yet about how I think he should probably sit the rest of the year. You did. Yeah, man, he's physically broken. Um, uh, Grayson Allen's either regressed or he was propped up last year by other talent around him. Um, credit to Jeff Capel by making that risky move this weekend, though, by benching all those guys and then going nuts against Miami. Yeah, uh, it worked. It did work. They also have no depth, though. It's odd. They bring all these freshmen in. They have no depth. They play seven, seven or eight guys per game. There's a lot of reason not to like Duke, man. Uh, but they're probably the, they're still like the fifth best team because like they're, listen, they're, I, I like Virginia Tech and what Buzz Williams is doing there, but they're not Buzz Williams, or Virginia Tech's records misleading. Same thing with like Georgia Tech, Syracuse stinks. 
Uh, Miami's decent. NC State has all the talent in the world. I don't know what's going on there. Then, like, <clears throat> who's shocked Kevin Stallings' team is underperforming? Not this guy. Not this guy. Way Pitt, to go, Pitt, Joe. Pitt is one of the one of the most disappointing teams in the country. They returned almost every player from a team that went to the NCAA tournament last year. The only difference is Jamie Dixon isn't there. Kevin Stallings is. I wrote about it before the season began that Pitt's going to be bad because this is what Kevin Stallings does is he gets really good players. And now, these aren't even his really good players. But he, when he gets good players, he does nothing with them. They're 1-5 in conference play, 12-7 and seven overall. They're going to miss the NCAA tournament with the same team that made it last year and won, like, 22 games. Jamie Dixon's playing on a t- with a TCU team who has Jalen Fisher, who's not even playing well as a freshman, and they're going to make the NCAA tournament. And TCU's horrible, historically, like, just horrible. It's, like, it's unbelievable how bad they are. They're like Boston College, but in the Big 12. Ouch. You heard it here first. That was your college basketball minute with Joseph Nardone. Could you see how, just- did you see how excited I was to talk about that, though? You just kept jamming it in. I gave you an inch, and you took a mile. <laughs> I, 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 St. John's, man. What's going on? More college basketball talk to come sometime soon, but that is all we have for you today. We hope you all have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Hoops <laughs> and catch my basketball writing at FanRag Sports Network. Joe, tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, FanRagSports.com, at Joseph Narone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E, and you can find me under your bed. All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait, worn out hotcakes, bright and early for the daily link dumps, no one's clicking, no one's clicking, their pages are filling up their pockets. But not for writers, not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow, no tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world. Mad.